We're finishing up our sermon series on the message of angels. We'll be reading from Matthew chapter 2, verses 13 through 23. This is found on page 784 in your pew Bible, if you'd like to follow along with me. But before I read that to you, I invite you to bow your heads and join me in prayer. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we come to you now with open hearts, hopeful to hear your word. We pray by the grace of your spirit that the words we hear and the thoughts of our hearts will lead us to your will for all of us as your church and for each of us as your children. Dear God, we love you. We thank you for your love. Amen. So again, Matthew chapter 2, beginning with verse 13. Now after they had left, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Get up, take the child and his mother, and flee to Egypt, and remain there until I tell you, For Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. Then Joseph got up, took the child and his mother by night, and went to Egypt, and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet, Out of Egypt I have called my son. When Herod saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, he was infuriated, and he sent and killed all the children in and around Bethlehem who were two years old and under according to the time that he had learned from the wise men. Then then was fulfilled what had been spoken through the prophet Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Ramah, wailing in loud lamentation, Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be consoled because they are no more. When Herod died, an angel of the Lord suddenly appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up, take the child and his mother, And go to the land of Israel, for those who were seeking the child's life are dead. Then Joseph got up, took the child and his mother, and went to the land of Israel. But when he had heard that Archelaus was ruling over Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And after being warned in a dream, he went away to the district of Galilee. There he made his home in a town called Nazareth, so that what had been spoken through the prophets might be fulfilled he will be called a Nazarene. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Over the past couple of weeks, Julianne and I have really enjoyed looking at the Christmas cards that we get, many from you and and some from our friends from other places. We've gotten Christmas cards over the years and we enjoy looking at them. Those who send us pictures of their family, we can see how their children have grown up year after year after year. And in some cases, see how their dogs and cats have gotten older year after year after year. If you have sent us a Christmas card, by the way, and you're wondering why you haven't got one from us, we don't send out Christmas cards because I don't like sending a picture of myself to anybody in the mail. That's the reason for that. But many other people have sent us cards from vacation spots all throughout the year, from places like Paris, places like the beach, and we love seeing those things that people have done throughout the year. My favorite Christmas card, if you're wondering, however, was the one made by my niece and my nephew. It was handmade, and they drew several pictures for us. The first one was a picture of the nativity scene. The second one was a a self-portrait of my nephew. And the third one was a picture of Frankenstein for some reason. (laughs) This was our favorite. 
Many of you also send Christmas cards, more traditional Christmas cards, without pictures in them, pictures of the shepherds, pictures of the nativity scene, pictures of the holy family together, pictures of the the wise men together, pictures of angels, Christmas wreaths, and we loved all of those Christmas cards that they got. Many of those Christmas cards have scripture verses in them, things like Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, scriptures like Glory to God in the Highest with pictures of of angels around them, all those wonderful scriptures that remind us of the Christmas uh, season, Emmanuel, God with us. But all of the years that I have received a Christmas card, I don't think I have ever received a Christmas card with our scripture from today in the Christmas card. I don't think I've ever received a Christmas card with a picture of Herod the Great in the Christmas card. That's because most of us would like to just move quickly past this part of the Christmas story. We'd like to ignore it and and focus on the, the joy and wonder of this beautiful baby boy, this beautiful baby Jesus. So we move past it, ignore it, in fact, but it's important that we take time and remember this part of the story because it reminds us, it characterizes for us the world in which Jesus was born, the world in which Jesus came into being. You remember the story, the the Magi came to, to Herod asking where the baby was, and Herod sent them off and said, when you find that baby, come back and tell me where he is so I can go and pay that baby homage. But those Magi were too smart for that. They found baby Jesus, and then they went home by another way, which made Herod angry. And so he made this decree, this decree across the entire land that the children born in Bethlehem would be killed. Like I say, I've never seen that decree in a single Christmas card. And believe it or not, when you look at historians of antiquity, you don't see much about that decree in in places like Josephus or any of the antiquities either. For some reason, it's not mentioned to the point where a lot of historians have come to believe that maybe this didn't happen at all. Maybe the good news is this wasn't a part of the story at all. It was just something Matthew made up to try to prove the prophecy that came from the Old Testament. But all you have to do is scratch the surface on Herod the Great and realize that this story is pretty likely after all. You see, Herod the Great was a a ruthless ruler. He had people killed in order to keep his power. He, He did terrible things in order to hold on to that power that he loved so dear. He had some of his own adult children killed. He had his own wife killed. He had spies all throughout the kingdom just to hold on to the power that he had. He wouldn't allow large groups of people to meet for fear that that they might start a revolution. And even when he approached his own death, he had a decree that people all over the kingdom should be arrested and they should be killed too so that there would be a proper amount of mourning all throughout the kingdom. King Herod was a ruthless leader, someone who would make a terrible decree like the massacre of the innocents, as we call it. Believe it or not, the Bible has other instances of this as well. You might remember from the story of Moses when Moses was drawn out of the water. Moses, who was put in that basket, placed into the river, he was drawn out of the water, but out of that very water where Pharaoh had decreed that Hebrew children should be killed. And we only have to look at our own world. 
and realize that innocent people die every day. Look back to October 7th, that terrible terrorism, that terrible massacre that took place in Israel. And the war beyond that that has killed thousands of people. The wars that have displaced people in Afghanistan and the Congo and Ukraine. And even in our own country. Innocent children die all around us every day. This is the world that Jesus Christ was born into. This is the world that we live within every single day. It was in that world that another angel came to Joseph and said, Joseph, get up, take your family, and go to Egypt and keep them safe there. And so immediately, this baby, where there was no room for him in the end, now there was no room for him in his own country. Now, we don't have a lot of stories about what happened to Jesus while he was in Egypt. Certainly not in our scripture. In fact, the scripture that I read to you is all that our scripture tells us about Jesus' time in Egypt. You have to look outside of the scripture to find out what Jesus' childhood, what Jesus' life was like in Egypt. And believe it or not, a lot of those stories that we read about Jesus in Egypt are, are hard to believe. They're fanciful stories, almost supernatural stories that are hard to really swallow, in fact. There are stories about how Mary and Joseph and Jesus were walking through the deserts and and animals came up with them. Lions came up beside them and protected them on their way. Lions wagging their tails because they knew this was the king of kings. There's another story about how Mary and Joseph were so tired and so thirsty from all their marching through Egypt that they stopped under a palm tree and the little toddler Jesus called down to the palm tree and the palm tree bowed down to Jesus so that Mary could grab a coconut and and drink from the coconut milk to quench her thirst. There's stories like that, stories about how in constant places where they went, miraculous things happened to help sustain this holy family. Now don't get me wrong, Jesus can do whatever Jesus wants to do, but those stories all seem very self-serving, which is very different from the Jesus that we read about in the New Testament. The Jesus who uses his power, uses the things that God has given him to serve those people around him in need to multiply food so that hungry can be fed, to heal people who are sick, to lift up the brokenhearted and the downtrodden. But in searching through all of these stories that I could find about Jesus' life in Egypt, there was one that I thought was plausible. There was one that sounded almost like a Christmas story. It's a story about this holy family once again coming into a small town in in Egypt, a a small town that was a a Greek outpost that had been there since since the Greek Empire. And, And they were trying very hard to hide their identity, wondering who might be there on behalf of Herod searching for this little baby. And they came across a man named Aphrodisius. Aphrodisius was a priest, a a pagan priest who had his own temple. But he saw this holy family and something caught him in his heart. Compassion for this family who had traveled so far. And so he asked them, do you have a place to stay? And unlike that legend of the innkeeper who said, there's no room in the inn, Aphrodisius invited this family into his home 
opened the doors up for this holy family so that they had a safe place to stay. He made room in his house for the family and made room in his heart for Jesus. The legend says later that after he heard the story of Jesus, his life, death, and resurrection in Jerusalem, Aphrodisius left Egypt and went all the way to Jerusalem to become a Christian himself. And he later became a canonized saint in the Catholic Church. Unlike that innkeeper who had no place for Jesus, unlike that country who had no place for this refugee, this man made room for the Holy Family and made room for an innocent child. That should be a part of the Christmas story because that's who we are called to be every single Christmas. People who look out for those innocent, those lost, those broken, those hurting in the world, those people who are victimized by the world around them, and we should make room for them. We should care for them. Hold them up. Find room for them so that they too know the love of Christ that we received on Christmas Day. I told you a story like this several years ago. It was a story about a, another refugee from Afghanistan, a man named Mahmoud Ibadi. He was a, a man who brought his family from Afghanistan to the United States after he had watched his family die. He had gone to a UN camp where he stayed there and lived with his family, sleeping on cots and eating those MREs because that's all they were provided there. Many of those meals were meals that they could not eat because of his religious beliefs. And finally they told him he would be relocated to Houston, Texas in the United States, a place that he had never been, a place he knew nothing about. And he knew he was a stranger in a strange land. He wondered how he and his family could ever live there. They took him to a little small apartment that had been set aside for him he opened the door thinking that it would be barren, that it would be nothing, there would be nothing for him and his family there. But to his surprise, the apartment was filled with furniture. The closets were filled with clothes. The kitchen was filled with food, and it was not hospitable food like you and I like, like barbecue and sweet tea. No, it was food from Afghanistan. Food like rice and lamb and spices that were, were familiar to him. A little taste of home right where he was. Someone had made space for him and his family. And do you know who it was? Christian churches all over Houston who had said, we will make room for this family here. And they not only did that, but they spent time learning about Afghanistan and learning about their culture, learning about Islam, their religion, to try to make a safe place for them there. And in doing so, they shared the steadfast love of Jesus Christ. They made room for the innocent refugee. They made room for the brokenhearted. And in doing so, they shared the love of God. That's who Jesus Christ calls us to be every single Christmas. It's not just a beautiful story about a baby. It's a story about how the innocent of this world need our help. 
And when we help those refugees, as the Franciscan monks say, anytime we show hospitality to a stranger, what we are truly doing is showing hospitality to Christ within there. Those little babies are our children. Those people around us who are across borders are not across the border from God. We are called every day, just like Jesus Christ broke the boundary with this world, to cross over those boundaries and help those innocent children in need. It's just like the great preacher Howard Thurman said. He said, when the song of the angels is stilled and when the star in the sky is gone, when the kings and the princes are home, when the shepherds are back in their flock, that's when the work of Christmas begins. To find the lost, to heal the broken, to feed the hungry, to release the prisoner, to rebuild the nations, to bring peace among brothers and sisters, and to make music in our hearts. That's who we're called to be on Christmas Day. That's who we're called to be every day. And don't get me wrong, I know there are a lot of Herods in this world. There also might be a little Herod in each of our hearts who don't want to let go of the power that we have. But my hope and my prayer is that there is also an Aphrodisius in our hearts who are willing to open our doors and open our lives to care for those people who cannot care for themselves. When we do that, then we'll be sharing the Christmas spirit. When we do that, then we can truly sing, let every heart prepare him room and heaven and nature sing. To the glory of God. Amen.